Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hey, hey, it's Elizabeth. Welcome back for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast. I am so glad that you are here. And I know that as the holiday season gets busier and busier, you have a million things pulling at your attention. And I am so glad that you have made it a priority to stay connected to things that remind you of your goals, whether that's this podcast or another podcast or your workouts or clean food choices, whatever it is. I think the more that we surround ourselves with things that bring our attention back to what we want and what our priorities are, the more successful we will be in moving towards our goals. So I'm super glad that you are here. And what I want to do today is talk about the very best practices for fat loss. Now, I said a couple episodes ago that I created this 28-page fat loss best practices guide, which is normally $97, but between, well, really a few days ago, until the end of the year, so until January 1st, 2016, it's going to be totally free, totally free for anybody, and you guys can get it by going to primalpotential.com. Or if you're in the U.S. and you have your phone handy, you can just text 2015GUIDE, one word, 2015GUIDE, to the number 44222 and you'll get that. So there's a couple different ways you can get it. You can just go to primalpotential.com. It's totally free for the end of the year because I don't want you to throw in the towel on this month. I don't want you to miss out on holiday enjoyment and your favorite foods either, but I think that there's a happy medium and I want to do everything I can to make you feel really good about about your body going into the new year instead of waking up on January 1st and feeling like, let's try this again. But what I want to do in today's episode, there are 12 best practices in this 28-page guide gone through in a lot of detail. And what I want to do with you today is talk about a handful of them. So there's 12 in the guide, and I want to talk about three or four of them today. Four if we have time, three if we don't. But there's four categories of best practices in this guide that is free for you until the end of the year. And those four categories are diet, lifestyle, mindset, and nutrition. And so I want to share one from each of those categories with you today. The first one that I want to start with is from the diet category, and I don't mean diet as in weight loss strategy, but diet as in what we eat or don't eat. The first, and these are the best practices of fat loss, of everything that you can do, these are the highest impact ones because we don't need to do 72 different things. We just need to focus in on the most effective ones and master those. The first one that I want to go into, and these are all in the guide, and then some, is Carb backloading 
also known as carbs at night. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but today I want to go into more detail on the strategy and why it works. And I will tell you that I get emails every single day from people who implement this carb backloading strategy or carbs at night strategy and immediately feel more energy, less hunger, fewer cravings, all of that, and of course, accelerated fat loss, which is what many of us are after. But let's dive into it and start with what is carb backloading? Well, carb backloading just refers to backloading your carbs into the end of the day. And this doesn't actually mean a load of carbs, as in as many as you can eat, but it's basically delaying carbohydrate consumption until the end of the day, carbs at night, right? And I really want to explain to you why this is the best strategy for fat loss. And I'm not going to bash the people who say eat your carbs in the morning. Instead, I'm just going to explain why you don't want to do that. Remember that fat loss is not exclusively about calorie deficit. It's not about eating less and moving more. It is a little bit about calorie deficit, but it's a lot about hormone balance. And I've already mentioned the 80-20 rule, but I talk about it all the time, and I really believe in it as a philosophy for life, 80% or more of your results are going to come from just 20% or fewer less of your efforts. And when we talk about hormones and the 80-20 rule, that basically means that 80% of our fat loss results will come from just 20% or less of the things that we do to balance hormones. And even if we look at the hormones, right, 80% of our hormonal impact is driven by 20% or less of the hormones, right? The 80-20 rule applies to pretty much everything. When we look at those highest impact hormones for fat loss, we're talking largely about insulin and cortisol. So this carb backloading strategy is all about insulin and cortisol, the most sensitive time of the day for both insulin and cortisol is the morning, right? Now, of course, just psychologically, there's a huge benefit to doing something specific at the start of the day because it just sets your intention and your tone for the rest of the day. But we're going to talk more like technical today, why this is the right strategy for fat loss from a physiological standpoint, not a mental and emotional standpoint, although that matters too. The analogy that I use most often to explain this carb backloading strategy is related to light and our sensitivity to light. So imagine with me for a minute that you have been in a completely dark room for like, say, 8 to 12 hours, pitch black, no light at all, and you've just been hanging out in there wide awake, but in complete darkness for 8 to 12 hours. And somebody walks into the room after 8 or 12 hours and plugs in and turns on a floodlight. Your eyes would have a massive response to this light, right? Of course, because you've been in the darkness. It's relative. Now, let's say that for 8 to 12 hours, you've been outside in the sun, just hanging out, doing yard work, chatting with your neighbors, sitting on the porch, whatever. And somebody comes outside after 8 to 12 hours and plugs in and turns on the exact same floodlight your response would be much less, if hardly noticeable at all, right? Because it's relative to the environment that you've been in. And this is how our bodies respond to carbs in the morning. So when we wake up, we've been fasting overnight, right? We haven't eaten unless you're a sleepwalker. And I'm talking to the masses here. I'm not talking to the oddball that, you know, unconsciously eats through the kitchen at 4 a.m., but for most of us, we've been fasting overnight from our last meal the day before until we wake up. 
So our blood sugar is going to be highly sensitive at this point in time, just like our eyes would be sensitive to the light later uh, if we were in the darkness for 8 to 12 hours, right? Now, protein and fat are not going to really impact our blood sugar. But when we introduce carbohydrates in the morning, our blood sugar has an exaggerated response that is relative to the fact that we haven't eaten anything in, say, 8 to 12 hours, sometimes more, depending on the individual. So what does that have to do with fat loss? Well, if you have this exaggerated blood sugar response in the morning, which you will if you introduce carbs, then you have an exaggerated insulin response because insulin responds in a dose-dependent fashion to elevations in blood sugar because it's insulin's job to sort of usher the sugar out of the blood and take it away to be stored. The sugar can't stay in the blood because that becomes very toxic, but it also needs a chaperone to get out of the blood. It needs an usher, and that's insulin's job. Now, insulin is an anabolic hormone. That means it's a storage hormone. So when insulin creates this this exaggerated response due to this exaggerated blood sugar response, the presence of insulin circulating throughout your system tells your body, hey, we are now in storage mode. There is an excess of sugar in the blood, and I'm here on the scene to take care of that. So for the time being, we're going into storage mode. Well, guess what you can't do when you're in storage mode? Burn fat. Why? Because you can't be in storage mode, an anabolic mode, and breakdown mode, a catabolic mode, at the same time. And fat burning is a breakdown process or a catabolic process. So the presence of insulin in your system says, hey, hey, there is a fuel excess. Turn off any breakdown activities because we are now in storage mode. So first of all, we don't want to start the day that way, right? Absolutely. Like we don't want to wake up in prime fat burning state and immediately turn that off with our bowl of cereal or our bagel or our muffin, right? But there is another thing going on here. Not only do we turn off fat burning, but because it is this exaggerated response, more of an elevation in blood sugar than we would say later than we would see later in the day when we're not quite as sensitive that exaggerated insulin response means there's more insulin and it's going to take it a longer time to do its job so you're taking yourself out of fat burning mode for a longer period of time because of the exaggerated response than you would if you ate the same exact thing later in the day like with your evening meal So that is one of the hormonal factors that supports this carb backloading strategy. The other factor is related to cortisol. Cortisol is another hormone, and it's one of our stress hormones. We never want to elevate insulin when cortisol is high, when fat burning is our goal. So if we're seeking fat loss, we don't want insulin and cortisol to be high, elevated at the same time, because Cortisol compounds the fat storing mechanisms of insulin. So when is cortisol naturally at its highest? In the morning. Why? Because that's part of our body's natural sleep-wake cycle. Cortisol naturally cycles throughout the day, and it's highest in the morning to help us wake up, feel alert, tackle the day, and it's lowest at night so that we can fall asleep and relax and stay asleep, okay? So if we introduce carbs in the morning and we have this exaggerated blood sugar response, which produces an exaggerated insulin response, then insulin is high when cortisol is at its daily peak. So it's going to compound the fat storing effect of insulin 
No bueno. This is why we want to focus on fats and proteins and non-starchy vegetables if you're in the mood for them in the morning. Which leads to the question of a lot of people saying, so what the heck do I eat? Are bacon and eggs my only option? And the answer to that is no, absolutely not. Bacon and eggs are not your only option. The single most popular episode of this podcast is actually Q&A 6, 6, like way early on, because that's all about how to create a fat-burning breakfast. And it talks about all sorts of meal ideas and recipes with avocado, smoked salmon, certainly bacon and eggs, frittatas, omelets, but also chia seed pudding and protein shakes so long as they're lower in sugar. But all of those things, definitely check out Q&A 6. I will link to it in the show notes, but that is a really powerful one for uh, what to eat at breakfast so that you can stay in fat burning mode. So this carb backloading or carbs at night is one of the highest impact strategies for fat loss. Now let's shift into the lifestyle category. And again, I am going through some of the strategies that are outlined. There's 12 total outlined in the 2015 Best Practices Guide, and I'm going through three or four of them in this episode. The one that I want to talk about next is sleep. And I'm not just talking about quantity of sleep because many of you are going to say I can't possibly sleep any more than I am now because of my work schedule or my kids or whatever else. But this is also about quality of sleep and why it's so important and how you can improve the quality of your sleep. So it's quantity and it's quality. Sleep deprivation totally screws up your hormones. So when people think about sleep, they're just thinking, oh, well, if I'm tired, I don't make as good food choices as I do when I'm rested. But it is way, way more than that. Remember, fat loss is largely hormonal and sleep has such a huge impact on your hormones. I had a client recently who felt like she was doing everything right and she was so frustrated that for two weeks when her work schedule was crazy and she was hardly sleeping, even though eating perfectly and working out regularly, she didn't see any fat loss. And I was like, yeah, well, get some sleep. You're going to impair your ability to burn fat if you are sleep deprived without question. Without question. And this comes down to two hormones. And guess what? They're the same too. Insulin and cortisol. Remember how I said the 80-20 rule applies to hormones. And if we can really narrow in on the hormones that have the biggest impact on fat loss, instead of focusing on all the things, we will see accelerated results. So let's talk about cortisol. Cortisol has that daily rhythm, right? It peaks in the morning and it's lower at night. It works like a seesaw with another hormone, melatonin, right? When we wake up in the morning, cortisol's at its daily peak. Makes sense, helping us wake up. And then it naturally drops throughout the day so that you can fall asleep. The opposite, the, the seesaw side of things, when, melaton- or when cortisol is high, that means melatonin is low and vice versa. So melatonin works in the opposite way. It is very low in the morning and it rises throughout the day, peaking at night, so that melatonin can help you fall asleep and and stay asleep. But we screw up with this cycle. So there's two things going on here that we need to talk about as it relates to sleep. And one is how we mess with this cortisol melatonin cycle and how we can stop messing with it. And the other is the impact that lack of sleep has on insulin. So let's start by talking about melatonin and cortisol. When we raise cortisol, we suppress melatonin. When we when we suppress melatonin, cortisol is naturally going to rise. 
Chronic stress is a way that we suppress melatonin and impair our ability to fall asleep and stay asleep because chronic stress is going to keep cortisol elevated, which means we cannot have melatonin rising the way that it needs to. Another way that we mess with this cortisol melatonin balance is chronic carbohydrate consumption. So consuming carbohydrates all day long. And the reason for this is because carbohydrates, when we eat them throughout the day, chronically eating carbohydrates, it will elevate cortisol, which suppresses melatonin. Another way that we mess with this cortisol melatonin cycle is by working out later in the day. If we go for that jog, if we do specifically the chronic cardio types of workouts, not necessarily high interval training or lifting weights, but if we do these things later in the day, we are going to elevate cortisol and therefore suppress melatonin. I will say that it's really not ideal to do any type of workout within a couple of hours of bedtime because you will see, even with something like high-intensity interval training or weight training, you will see a minor stress response, not as much as with chronic cardio, but you really don't want to generate any type of stressor on the body closer to when you want to sleep because it does have an impact on cortisol and therefore suppresses melatonin. Another way that we really mess with this cortisol melatonin cycle is light exposure because light exposure suppresses melatonin and it really makes a lot of sense, right? The presence of light tells your body that it's daytime. Our bodies don't really understand the whole artificial light thing. And so when the body thinks that it's daytime, it's going to suppress melatonin. One of the reasons that we feel much more tired when the clocks change in daylight savings is because there's not as much light exposure that tells the body to trigger the melatonin release. And so you're ready to fall asleep and stay asleep. But we artificially expose ourselves to light and that can really suppress melatonin and lead to trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. Now, the majority of the light that is a significant issue, so there's a particular type of light that has the greatest impact on our melatonin production, and that is blue light. You might be thinking, I don't see any blue lights. Blue light is the type of light emitted from your electronic devices, your computer, your TV, your tablets, your phones. That light suppresses melatonin. And that is going to impair our ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. So I would really work towards limiting your use of electronics prior to bedtime. Now let's talk about the insulin impact of sleep deprivation. Moderate, just a few nights of missing out on a couple of hours of sleep, moderate sleep deprivation causes insulin resistance, which means more insulin in your system for a longer period of time before your body responds to it. Well, what does that have to do with fat loss? That means more time in storage mode. And when you're in storage mode, what are you not in? You're not in fat burning mode. So just a few nights of moderate sleep deprivation is going to make you more insulin resistant and therefore significantly impair your ability to burn fat. Plus, When we are insulin resistant, we experience more hunger and more cravings. So we're making it harder for ourselves on a number of fronts. It doesn't stop there. Sleep deprivation increases production of the hormone ghrelin. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone. So the less sleep or the less quality sleep, the more 
hunger. And it gets worse. Sleep deprivation decreases production of the hormone leptin. Leptin is your satiety hormone, the hormone that triggers feelings of fullness. So when you don't sleep enough, you are going to need more food to feel satisfied, making you more prone to overeat. Bad news, bad news. So some tips, and these are included in the 2015 guide that you can get for free until the end of the year, work out earlier in the day. Minimize your exposure to light after sunset. Don't be on your electronic devices right up until bedtime. Limit your caffeine, right? Sleep in a cool environment and keep your carbs at night. Do not chronically consume carbohydrates all day long. All right, let's talk about the next one, which is a mindset strategy that is one of the best practices for fat loss, and that is affirmations. And I want to say first that this is not all kumbaya, hold hands, tell yourself you're skinny. I am a really practical thinker. This is a real and true strategy, so please just hear me out, okay? This is what is fact. You will live into what you believe to be true. And I talk a lot about how I was really confused about my fat loss failures, right? I looked at my life and I thought, okay, so I've displayed motivation and self-discipline in other areas. I want fat loss more than I want anything else. You know, I was creeping up on 350 pounds at this point in time. I want fat loss so bad And it requires motivation and self-discipline, which I've proven to have in other areas. Why don't I have it here? Why can't I say no to the ice cream, even though I want to achieve my goals so bad? Here's what I realized. So one of the areas that I had achieved success while requiring a whole lot of motivation and self-discipline and consistency was paying off debt. And I had paid off about $130,000 of debt in less than two years while not making a lot of money. And it required a lot of sacrifice and a lot of discipline and a lot of consistency. And I didn't tackle that thinking, you're broke, this is never going to work. No, I just believed like, I'm going to do what it takes. And I was always looking for a way. I wasn't looking for an excuse. There was always a reason to buy something, like a bag that I really loved was on sale or a vacation that I really wanted to go on or whatever it was. There was always a reason to say no to my goal of paying off debt, but I didn't, right? I was always looking for a way to make it work instead of an excuse not to, And I wasn't saying to myself, you'll never make this happen. Instead, it was just like, I'm doing this. I know that I can do this. I have what it takes. I'll find the resources that I need. Same thing with my career. I achieved a lot with my career that required self-discipline and consistency and motivation. And I didn't do that while saying, you suck at your job. Everybody hates you. You're never going to get anywhere. You'll probably get fired soon. No, I actually really believed that I was great at my job and I was a hard worker and I knew that I could achieve promotions if I worked hard enough. Now, contrast that with my weight. I wasn't getting where I wanted to go. I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted, right? I was stuck. I wasn't losing weight. And I also wasn't telling myself that it was possible. Instead, I was telling myself, you're fat. This won't work. You're really great at losing weight. You're terrible at keeping it off. You're an emotional eater. 
And I lived into that reality. I lived into that reality. And it was tough for me because I believed it. And I didn't know how to change that belief. But I realized in looking at areas of my life where I had been successful, it was because I believed that I could do it. And I wasn't successful in areas where I didn't believe that I could do it, where I was constantly focused on why I couldn't. I'm just fat. I've always been fat. I have no self-discipline. All of those things. But it was a real kind of catch-22 because I understood, okay, what I believe is really holding me back, but how do I change it? I didn't know how to turn off those thoughts of you're so fat, you'll never do this, of fear, of doubt, of all of that stuff, right? I didn't know how to turn it off, but I did know how to replace it. And I replaced it with affirmations. And let me first say, some people will say, like, stand in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm thin and I easily button up those size eight jeans. Like, no. If I would have said that to myself in my subconscious or maybe out loud, I would have been like, yeah, right. That's not true. That doesn't work. Right. So I created affirmations that I could get behind. You really have to believe them to be true. And that can be tough when you really feel like, you're fat, you're making bad food choices, whatever it is that you believe. And so I started with just, I am in control of my choices. Good, bad, or indifferent, I am in control of my choices, right? I am getting leaner and stronger every single day as a result of my choices, and I am in control of all my choices. And so when that negativity loop started to play in my head, I would just replace it. So I wrote down a handful of affirmations and I had multiple copies of these affirmations. And I had one in my car and one in my purse and one on my desk and one on my treadmill. And whenever this negativity loop would start to play, I didn't try and turn it off because I feel like the more you try to stop it, the larger it becomes. Instead, I just replaced it with these affirmations. The more you do it, the more it will work for you. And most people won't do this. They'll think, oh yeah, I should do that. Or they'll create the affirmations, but they'll never say them. This only works for you if you do it, and it is worth it, and it does work, and I can tell you that my personal clients that have the best success, that have the truest transformation, that have the least resistance to their change are the people who say, I don't know if I really believe in this affirmation stuff, but I'm going to do it. And sure enough, they start to convince themselves over time that they can. So this is hugely important. All right, the fourth strategy that I want to talk about, and this is out of the 12, uh, we're only going to cover the four today, but to get the, all 12 of the fat loss best practices, you just need to get that guide that's completely free until the end of the year. But the fourth is related to fitness or movement, and it is, drumroll please, sprinting. Now, do not panic. A lot of people immediately go, I can't sprint, I'm not fit enough to sprint, and I understand, but you're wrong, and here's why you're wrong. When, you, when I say sprinting, you're thinking like track meet, you know, take off and run as fast as you can. That's not what sprinting is. It could be, but hear me out. Sprinting is completely relative. And all it means is your maximum effort for a short interval. So if we were to stand next to each other, let's say it's me, it's you, and it's my trainer. And we were all going to sprint on a recumbent bike just for, say, 20 seconds. It would look totally different. I can tell you right now, my trainer is going to go a whole lot faster than I am. You might be way slower than I am. You might be my speed. You might be faster. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's fine. That's great. And it's the way that it should be, right? 
It doesn't matter if your sprint isn't running or isn't even fast relative to somebody else's because guess what? Your body does not respond based on how fast I sprint. Your body responds to your max effort. And I can tell you right now that if I tried to sprint, let's say, let's use the example of a running sprint, although that's only one mode of sprinting. If you told me to sprint at almost 350 pounds, it would look like a slow jog. But it doesn't matter. It's not doing it wrong. It doesn't mean my body's not going to respond. It's relative. My body doesn't know that somebody else goes faster and my body doesn't care, right? It is your maximum effort of anything for a short interval. So it doesn't mean running. You might hate to run. Your knees might not be able to handle it. You might not have any place to run. It doesn't matter. It's max effort for a short interval. No pacing yourself. All out effort that could be on a bike. It could be on a rowing machine. It could be on an elliptical. It could be running. It could be the stairs in your house, right? It doesn't matter. It's your max effort for a short interval. And a short interval usually means 30 seconds or less. 30 seconds would be the max. The reason that this is so effective for fat loss is because of the afterburn, number one, and the hormonal response, number two, right? Think of sprinting as the investing of exercise, okay? Really, now I'm a little bit of a money geek, but I love this. I, I was just thinking of this this morning and I was like, oh, I need to explain it that way. Think about investing money. We take our money and we invest it so that it keeps generating more money after we've earned the initial money. It keeps working for us, right? We earn it once and then it earns for us ongoing, This is what sprinting is. It's the investing of exercise. You do the work one time and it keeps working for you for an extended period of time. The reason or the way that it does this is called epoch. We can just refer to it as afterburn because that's what it is. And epoch stands for excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. Just think afterburn or oxygen debt, oxygen debt, right? Let's say for a second, just to envision this, that you go up a flight of stairs. And as you're going up the flight of the stairs, you find you feel fine. But when you get to the top, you you start sucking wind a little bit. And you're like, wait a second. I was totally fine on the way up the stairs. And now I'm like trying to catch my breath. That is oxygen debt or afterburn in action. That's a little micro view of what afterburn is. So here's the thing. When you do a sprint interval, all out effort, you create oxygen debt. Basically, during the exercise, your body used up more oxygen to generate fuel for your cells than what you consumed via inhaling right? So after the exercise is over, your body has to recover that oxygen debt. Now get this, if you hop on a treadmill and jog or you hop on an elliptical for 30 minutes, once you're done with that, it's over. With interval training or sprinting, once you're done with it, the afterburn can continue for up to 36 hours Afterwards, that's why I call it the investing of exercise, right? We do it once and it keeps working for us because your body has to create this recovery of oxygen. And the more intense you go, the more you put into it, the harder you push yourself. And again, that's totally relative. The more your body has to work afterwards, right? 
Now, the second factor is the hormonal response. When we talk about chronic cardio, the one and done kind of activity that as soon as you're done, there's no afterburn, that creates a negative stress response, a cortisol stress response that actually can impair your fat burning, right? Sprinting has a different kind of stress response, a fight or flight stress response of adrenaline, and that actually facilitates the release of fat from our fat cells, which is the first step of burning fat, which is awesome. That is what we want. Now, how do you actually sprint? Well, you can do it a million different ways and in a million different intervals. Like I said, it can be running, it can be rowing, it can be biking, it can be on your stairs, up and down and up and down and up and down as fast as you can for 30 seconds and then rest. Tabata is a great way to sprint. And Tabata basically means 20 seconds on or sprinting, 20 seconds off for a total of four minutes, right? So it's all out for 20 seconds, rest for 20 seconds, repeat until four minutes is up. So it's a four minute workout, but I promise you it'll kick your tail. You might need a longer rest time, though. If you go all out for 20 seconds, you might need to rest for a few minutes to recover, and that's totally okay. So you can do it based on, I'll go again when I'm ready, and say, do that five or six times, right? Or you can do it based on your heart rate. If you have a heart rate monitor, you can get your heart rate to a certain target point that you want that represents all out max effort, and then you can let it fall to its resting rate before you go again. You can do it lots of different ways, but that is so powerful. Now, guys, this was four of the 12 strategies outlined in this 2015 Best Practices Fat Loss Guide that's normally $97, but you guys can get it totally for free until the end of the year because I want you going into 2016 feeling amazing. So to get that, you can go to primalpotential.com. You'll see it all over the site. There's like a homepage banner um, or you can just search for it. Or if you're in the U.S. and you have your cell phone handy, all you got to do is text 2015GUIDE, one word, 2015GUIDE, to the number 44222. Let's wrap up like we always do with what I ate yesterday. Uh, In the morning, before my workout, I actually had food. I usually go into my workouts fasted, but if I wake up hungry, guess what I do? I eat. So I had uh, coffee and then I had an avocado with egg. So one of the things I like to do, and you guys might have seen this if you follow me on Instagram, Take the avocado, split it in half, remove the pit, crack an egg into the hole where the pit was and bake it. I love that. So that's what I had for breakfast. Lots of avocado yesterday because then lunch was a mashup. I'm a big fan of mashing stuff together. I don't know what I like about the combination of those things, but I mashed up salmon and a hard boiled egg and guacamole. And then snacked on some macadamia nuts a little bit later. And then dinner was, oh, I went to Whole Foods to their salad bar. I got a big, huge salad with greens and peppers and tomatoes and broccoli and cabbage, a hard-boiled egg, turkey, and some guacamole again. (laughs) Yesterday was heavy on the avocado, but I was hungry, so whatever, sue me. If you want to see my weekly workouts, you guys know I include those in the weekly Primal Potential VIP email, so don't miss that. And definitely try to get your hands on that 2015 Fat Loss Best Practices Guide while it's free until the end of the year. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will talk to you soon. And if you have questions you want me to answer, make sure you email them to me so I can do that. Have a great day. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.